This podcast is brought to you by Bloke in a Bar. Yes, it is, mate. We are all done and dusted with the podcast royale now, and we are looking forward to Magic Round. We yeah. are. You know what that means? What does that mean, Josh? It means there's going to be thousands of people in the Caxton car park getting blokes down their throats. Thousands of people getting thousands of blokes down thousands of throats. It's going to be so fucking sick. Do you reckon there's ever been more blokes down blokes' throats? And women's throats as well In one place at one time Absolutely not Guinness, no. Guinness World Records were here They'd be breaking that record And there's not a place that I'd rather get a bloke down my throat Than the Caxton Car Park at Magic Round No, it's the greatest place to get a bloke down your throat So guys, if you want to get a bloke down your throat And you're not going to be at the Caxton Make sure you go to blokeatabar.com Put in your postcode on the store locator And find out where you can get some bloke Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Clutzy, have you heard about the brand new way to make money? No. Do you want to hear about it? Yes, please tell me more. It's a foolproof method. Foolproof? Yeah, foolproof, yeah. Foolproof is the yeah. word I'm looking for, method. Uh, it's called going to dominoes.com.au and entering the, the code BBB2DL and getting two pizzas and two sides from $25 delivered. Oh, so you're basically getting it for free. You're basically getting it for free. You're basically making money at that price. They're giving it away. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why I haven't done it before. It's one of the fucking simplest life hacks I've ever I've ever come across in my life. Uh, do you want to tell the lovely people about their brand new pizza, the Philly cheesesteak? Oh my God, yes I do. The Philly cheesesteak. Now, for those who don't know what a Philly cheesesteak is, it's this glorious thing on a bun usually with uh, a bunch of nicely finely chopped up meat and just uh, capsicum peppers and cheese and Domino's have just gone where we've heard Klutzy talk about Philly cheesesteaks way too many times so we've chucked it on a pizza so the big fella can just keep eating and eating and eating them. I've seen Klutzy get very very excited over food plenty of times but I've never <laughs> seen him get as excited and as animated as the first time he tried the Philly cheesesteak pizza so if you're out and about this weekend and you need your pizza fixed make sure you go to Domino's uh, try the Philly cheesesteak pizza there's a host of codes which are pinned on our Instagram and in our Facebook group to give you a cheeky little discount too uh, plenty of different bundles so check them out and thank you to Domino's for supporting the show this week Hey guys, uh, on this episode of the podcast we spoke to Dan Norris who's one of the founders of Black Ops uh, Brewing down in Burley so obviously this was a pretty big deal for us we were absolutely stoked to have a chat to Dan and he's an absolute legend um, we had a really good chat spoke through a lot of stuff how their story, how they've built their brand um, we did have a few technical difficulties, so unfortunately, I had to actually call in on my mobile phone, but um, it's still a good chat, so tune in and enjoy it. And um, if you've been enjoying our podcast content, make sure you're following us on, on Instagram and part of the Facebook group on Facebook and subscribe to you know uh, the podcast app or Spotify. Um, it, we'd really appreciate it, and it's really going to help us to keep uh, chatting to people like Dan, so tune in and let us know what you think.
Hey guys, welcome back to episode six or seven. I actually forgot. Uh, Good start, mate. Yeah, we'll uh, restart that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll just restart. No, we're not restarting. People know what the episode is. They click on it. All right, guys, we're (laughs) back. Episode six. It's crushing tense. We've actually had an absolute cooked start to the podcast. This is our second attempt, almost third attempt. Uh, so you got Klutz, Dars, and Jay, and joining us is Dan from Black Ops Brewery. Mate, how are we? I'm, I'm good. I was planning on coming on here and just giving you shit nonstop about your Photoshop skills, but now I know you can't use computers generally. We're probably... I'm just going to give a shit about your IT skills. Exactly. We're probably it's, the least savvy group on uh, the internet at the moment. So It's not just, it's not just specific to Photoshop, mate. It, it extends wider than that. Yeah, yeah, general <laughs> technology. You're actually ringing on a, a telephone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Darcy's stuck out in the sticks in Sanford. His internet is shit itself, and this is where we're at. So, um, look, let's get straight back into it. Dan, let's hear that story about the egg stout again. Um, basically, yeah, from the top. Yeah, well, um, I just told this five minutes ago, so I'll try to do it enthusiastically as if I didn't tell the exact same thing five minutes ago. <laughs> um, maybe I'll tell a slightly shorter version because I'll get bored myself by the end of this. Yeah, but, um, yeah, no, so we, me and Eddie were mates beforehand. We, we sort of started getting into beers, like, like you boys messaging each other every time we tried a different beer and kind of, you know, having our first proper pale ale that actually tasted like something with flavor in it and having our first IPA and all this. We're just like getting into the scene. This is probably like 2012, something like that. Um, And my pro 2013, I don't know when it was actually. It's like, it's like you and your episode numbers. I don't don't know these numbers. Exactly. There's been many beers that cloud it. (laughs) But yeah, we, we ended up, um, we used to hang out at Burley Brewing a bit. We we became friends with Govs there and, and a bunch of the crew there. We're, we're still friends with, with a lot of them. Um, but, yeah, there was a sort of one day we went up to Mount Tambourine to just go go to Fortitude Brewery that was up there and, and we ran into Govs up there. We were just drinking beers and Eddie had this idea for an eggnog stout. Actually, he'd, he'd, um, he'd had this idea before and he'd pitched it into a competition with Four Pines as like a – they did like a, a what beer do you want us to brew type thing. Yeah. And he pitched this idea and they, they sort of said, like, we think this is a cool idea, but we're not going to choose it. We've chosen a different one. Um, but they sent him a carton of beer, which was nice. And yeah, so, so, so Govs had just made a homebrew set, set up, like just made out of kegs and he hadn't brewed on it yet. He'd never done a homebrew before in his life. He'd, he'd, um, he, he was a professional brewer, so he knew how to brew 5,000 litre batches of beer, but didn't had never brewed like a, a 20 litre batch of homebrew so they kind of agreed to do it in a couple of weeks and I was just there I, 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 I'm not exactly sure why I was there to be honest but um, I didn't think it was going to happen because we we're just talking about something you talk about you know you don't think it's actually going to happen and I've had that many people tell me ideas of shit they're going to do that I just I'm like cool but you know if we do it we do it but until we do it it's not actually a thing you know that right yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> chat amongst the boys yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, but then two weeks later, Eddie messaged me. He's like, I'm going up the mountain. We're going to brew this beer. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm keen. Um, and we did it. And we kind of, we got carried away. It's not the first time it's happened, but me and Eddie had like started these fake businesses before when we worked in the government. We'd start like these coffee businesses and pretend like it was a real business. Like one time, one time we started this, uh, like making a coffee for our friends at 
at the railway and we were charging him a dollar per coffee. Like we should have been working because we're getting paid by the government. Um, <laughs> but instead, between breaks of playing cricket in the hallways, we started this little coffee business for a dollar. And like we, we, we went as far as like I actually arranged a meeting with someone to supply us like proper branded cups to start selling them to like our colleagues. And then, and it was at that point when I realized like we're just taking the piss to extreme. So we, so we had to pull the pin on that one, but black ops was a bit the same. We were kind of like, yeah, this is cool. Let's come up with a name. Let's do some branding for it. And let's start. We end up brewing the beer and handing the beer out to people as if it was like a real thing. And bloggers were writing about it. And eventually it was just like, well, it tastes good. The brand's good. People seem to like it. And um, so we thought, well, maybe we will make it into a real thing. And uh, that's what we did. So a couple of months later, we, we launched the brand with like a commercial batch we brewed at another brewery. And we, we did contract brewing for a year or so just while we planned out building our own brewery. And then we ended up building one in Burley, launching in um, June 2016. And it was just really good timing for me. I was in the process of selling my other business. Eddie uh, left left his work, Guz left his work, and we, we kind of just jumped in together and, and kicked the thing off. Yeah, perfect. And now you guys have, I believe it's two locations. you got your tap room, another brewery. Like it's just, it's all sort of popped off from there for you. Yeah, we've got the original brewery in Burley, which has expanded three or four times. It's still very small, but mm. we've taken over the building. We've taken over the office upstairs. We've taken over the building next door. We've now taken over all of the building behind us. Um, and... Um, now, and we've got the, so we've got a tap room there where we did before this Corona bullshit. Yeah. Um, we still do. We still sell takeaways, but we had a good, really, really good little local following at the tap room in Burley. And then we built one in bigger waters. Uh, we just had our first birthday actually for that one. And that was, that, that's a monster brewery. Well, monster by our standards, a much, much, much bigger brewery and a much bigger tap room. And, Again, even there, we've already started expanding there into the site next door and getting more tanks. And um, so, yeah, it's been a it's been a, a pretty crazy three and a half years. Nothing crazier yeah. than the last month, but it, it has been pretty hectic the whole time. I suppose it's a testament to the brand that you guys have built, as well as the beard. Like as as I said to you the first time round, the first ever IPA I had was the Hornet IPA. Uh, it's still my favourite IPA, and it's just absolutely blow me out of the park you know like you guys do incredible beers that's not me just trying to kiss your ass or anything there like i i genuinely really enjoy your beers so yeah your hornet and your super hornet are probably my two favorites um yeah it's just awesome to see you guys expanding still and i suppose also your community support i heard you mention it before how you your tap room had a lot of support from the community that's something that uh we spoke to wade curtis from ballistic the other night he said they've had a a pretty big support from their community, but you guys probably seem to be one of the leaders with, I suppose, community support, uh, which is... Yeah, don't listen to Wade. He's he's completely full of shit. Don't, don't <laughs> listen to anything he says. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm only joking, Wade. Wade's, re- Wade's a really good bloke. I was talking to him the other night, actually, about all this corona stuff, so yeah, it's been great. Mate, he, he is a ripper bloke. Um, I suppose on that, actually, when we were chatting to him, he said when he was at Four Hearts... Uh, brewing that you guys used to do a couple of brews yes. out of his brewery. Um, we did. How big of an impact did he actually have on Black Ops starting up going massive? Home? Yeah, massive. Massive. Yeah, he he was. Um, well, he's, he's he's sort of Eddie's like second cousin, actually. Wait, 
Yeah, and he had a had a brand already before he had his brewery in Ipswich. He had this Four Hearts brand, which was in bottles. I think he was brewing them down in brew pack, and it was like a really nice looking brand. Like they were very well known. I mean, as far as you know, the craft beer thing was. And we we couldn't find anywhere to brew, so we did one batch at a brewery called Beard and Brow in Toowoomba, which I think is, has since shut down. Yeah. And we were we were trying to find another brewery to do the contract brewing at. Um, we were brewing out of Bacchus and that they were amazing too, super critical for our our success. Um oh, I sound like a wanker saying success, but critical for our story, I guess. Um We'll let you have that one. That's all right. We'll let you have that one. Yeah. Well, we are very amazing and, and that's due in a very, very small part to Wade. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's I'm sure he'll be stoked. <laughs> yeah, he, he was sorry, I'll I'll finish that thought. He he was awesome because the the stuff we're doing at Bacchus was awesome, but it was it was very small batch. Wade had a, I think from memory is a thousand liter brew house and thousand liter tank. So we could brew a decent sized batch of beer. Um and you know, do it all in one day pretty efficiently. Like Bacchus is really good for lots of little pilot batches. Like that brewery is crazy the, the amount of pilot batches they pump out of there. Um yeah. but but what we were more wanting to do was do like a decent sized batch of eggnog and a decent sized batch of like our pale ale um and beach house and, and these sort of beers so we could sort of start building the brand for these beers. So yeah, Wade was critical in that because he was the first brewery where we could get a consistent brew down for, for those core range beers. Yeah, I suppose that was something I was thinking about when he mentioned that to us the other night. Um, for you guys, were so you mentioned Bacchus and there was another brewery up in Toowoomba. Were there many? Had you guys reached out to many other breweries about sort of doing that uh, collaboration, Gypsy Brewing sort of work out of those like, other breweries, or um, were you pretty lucky in the fact that you had that connection with Wade through Eddie? Oh yeah, we were lucky for sure. Um, but yeah, we had. I mean, it was. First of all, there wasn't that many breweries around. Like it's crazy to think now, but like back then, there was really there was Burley. Um, they don't do contract brewing. That was never going to happen. Bolter started only a few months before us. Yeah. Um, there was Newstead and Green Beacon. There was quite a few people contract brewing at Newstead, but we we didn't really know the guys there that well. Probably, I think we probably did ask them, but they probably didn't. I don't know. It, it just wasn't really going to work because I think that they were getting slammed. They had a very small brewery the capacity that they did have extra, I think they were giving to other people who were kind of in that circle. So I don't think that was really ever going to work. Beacon was never going to work because they, I don't think they do contract brewing, but they were getting slammed as well. Um, so so we met Roscoe from Bacchus one night at Burley Brewing and I was like nervous meeting him. I'm like, holy shit, that's Ross from Bacchus. Because at this, <laughs> at this time, like he was like winning gabs every year and like doing all these amazing beers. Like, he still does amazing beers. But it was kind of like, wow, that guy's a legend. Let's like, get up the courage to go and talk to him and it probably over enough of uh, enough of time probably a year or so we kind of became mates with him and and he was happy for us to brew out there but it's not it's it's kind of not really something you you ask like people ask us and and we just say no because it's such a hard thing to do it's such a risky thing to commit to and like we've done it for Corumban Valley our mates Uh, we've done it for a a company down the Gold Coast called Thursday Brewing who, who we know and they're just getting started. Oh, We've done it a little bit, but it's just awesome. Those Thursday beers, I had their lager once when I was down the coast. I haven't been able to find it anywhere since, and it's one of the best beers I've ever had. It was so good. Yeah, right. How long ago? Uh, it was actually New Year's, so like December, Jan. Yeah, that, well, I'm guessing that's probably the one they brewed, they brewed at ours. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the, the lager is good. The branding's really good. That and they were kind yeah. of kicking off, so we're like, well, 
we'll let them have a go at it. But it's it's a, it's a bloody hard thing to manage. So like we don't we don't really do it anymore. And I, I don't blame any brewery who who doesn't do it. Um, but we did a, for the Call of Duty beer. We did a brew pack in Sydney, and that's that's kind of how you do contract brewing if you really want to do contract brewing. But it's yeah, it's not it's not something we really wanted to do. We we, we wanted to have our own brewery. Yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, it's funny you mentioned like the risk. Like to me, um, you know, my old man used to be a maintenance planner for CUB back in the day. Um, and just everything that he's told me now that I'm a bit older and understand some stuff, I definitely am no expert in beer, but it just seems like a massive risk to have oh, yeah. people come in for sure. Like, you know, you don't want them stuffing up your equipment or risking contamination and that sort of shit. So, it's, I mean, to be honest, yeah. contract brewing, most of the time, it, it's pretty rare for the people to actually brew it themselves. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's basically the brewery, you know, agreeing on a recipe. Like, like we did it with, um, we always did it ourselves, except for the Call of Duty one that was done down in Brew Pack. We went down there, but like they, they were the, like, once we had the recipe right, they were the ones that were, that were brewing the beer. Mm. Um, but it's kind of rare. Like with, with our first one, we were all in there doing it. Like with Bacchus, I used to drive up with Eddie and like literally shovel the grain out myself. I don't know anything about brewing, um, but we were all pretty hands-on. Like Gus was there for pretty much every brew until it was really procedural. Um, but normally when you, con- when you contract brewing, you're kind of giving someone a recipe and, and they're making the beer for you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm not like a massive of fan that- of contract brewing. I, 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 kind of, I kind of get why people do it, but I, it just... To me, it doesn't really seem to be in the spirit of the whole thing. So we were always keen to have our own brewery and 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 make sure it had enough growth potential there, so we didn't have to brew anywhere else. Yeah, definitely. Like that's a credit to you guys, I suppose, uh, for sure. Like it'd be awesome to have your own brewery to be able to put your name on your own beer and say we've done it ourselves is definitely uh, a really cool thing. Yeah, I think a lot of the time consumers don't consumers don't necessarily know. Like, there's so much. So much beer is contract brewed. I think people wouldn't even know unless they happened to look at the address on the can. But for us, it just didn't, it just kind of didn't really feel like the right, it's, it's just not really what, like we wanted to build a brewery that was based around the region that we lived in that we loved because we'd been to places like Melbourne where you'd go to Moondog and you'd be like, this is sick, this is a brewery in this awesome location or like um, Mountain Goat at the, at the time, places like that. It was like Gold Coast needs something like this, like something in a really good location with good experimental beers, lots of new beers coming out. Um, that's what we wanted to do. We, we wanted to build a brand, but we wanted, to, we wanted it to be something that we made as opposed yeah. to just kind of, you know, just contract manufacturing something massive. Um, it, it just kind of it just didn't really feel like what we wanted to do. I fully get why other people do it, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Something that's always stood out to me for you guys, um, now that you mentioned it, I was showing that uh, you guys put up a post at the start of this year around January about all the different beers that you guys had actually brewed throughout the year. Yeah, we're really humble about that sort of stuff. Mate, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Probably the most humble out there, but... (laughs) Holy man, like the, to me, like the amount of different recipe ideas, all that sort of stuff coming together, like there must be some, I don't know, do you guys just sit around, have a couple of beers and be like, oh, this would probably taste good or. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a magical thing that I don't fully understand because I don't, I don't have a lot to do with that side of things. I just like, like ideas just pop up and govs and the team just 
and Eddie kind of magically turn them into really great products. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, the, the ideas can form in any place you could possibly imagine. Like I, I put a um, post in our ambassador group the other day about whether anyone's got any ideas for beers um, or ones we should rebrew. And I think within like an hour and a half, it had like 150 comments on it. Oh, and shit. It, it was, <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, do you guys, the, I was going to say, do you guys sort of use the tap room as like a test run sort of thing, see which beers are popular and, and selling and then sort of as a proof of concept or? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah the, I, the, I mean, I've been down there before and tried beers and they were awesome. And then all I wanted to do was actually show these boys. I remember a Clutch and Jay when I was down there recently for work and I stopped in on the way home. I was like, oh my God, you've got to try this out. And I tried to feel my, my uh, growler and I couldn't get it filled. I was gutted. Uh, which, which beer was it? Was that the watermelon uh, one? I think, no, I think it was the Citrus Sour. Citrus Sour, yeah, right. Yeah, we're doing another, we're doing another, like that one we probably won't do again. That was one of our investor beers. It was, I mean, it was, it was great, interesting beer, but it's probably not one that will come out in the core range. Mm. But, but we do, I mean, the, the beers we, that they put out in the brewery for the tap room are just, there's a whole bunch of weird, wonderful ideas that come out. Some of them are like, like that kind of beer is very much a kind of a tap room beer that, that is not going to become core range beer, but some of them, you're just like, oh man, this one, we need to bring this out. So we do, we do like a yeah. monthly, like we're doing basically a new beer every two weeks. Sorry, two new beers a week at the moment. Oh, shit. Um, and we do a new beer every month that we sell in the retail trade, in bottle shops and whatnot. So if, if one of the sort of 10 beers that we brew for the tap rooms in a given month is a real standout, then we'll choose that as being a limited release for the bottle shops later on the year. So that happened yeah. with Full Nelson, Half Nelson. We mm. did that with um, Goat was one we brewed a small batch first, and then like for the for the beer awards, it ended up becoming um, you know one of our most popular limiteds. And mate, um, Goat yeah. is this is my first time having it actually. I'm, oh, up, nice. to my thir- I'm up to my third can now. Um, it's just, oh my god, it's incredible, eh? Like this, yeah. Is- this, well, this, this is how these ideas happen. So here's an example: the 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 year was year before last, and the AIBAs, which are like the most highest profile sort of beer awards, which uh, actually would be happening in a few weeks from now if it wasn't cancelled. But yeah. um, we won the the um, champion trophy for it a couple of years ago, and so the, the following year we were like. The, they they brought out the the NEPA category for the first year, and we're like, we need to get a gold medal in this category. Um, and we I don't think we'd even brewed a hazy IPA before. I'm pretty sure it was the first one we'd brewed. Mm. Um, and we were going to call it AIBA Gold because we thought it'd be cool to like rock up to the awards <laughs> and then have this beer that was called AIBA Gold as a gold medal winning beer on the screen because they put the gold medal ones on the screen. Mm. And then we just thought that's like way too obnoxious. And I, I also kind of thought, like, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, like, what happens if this is a really good beer and we want to bring it out? Like, I, I want to choose the ones that we can build a really good brand around. Like, yeah. that can you're looking at right now, like, that doesn't happen by accident. There's, there's a lot that goes into that. Mm. And so we ended up arriving on Goat, the greatest of all time, as, again, just being obnoxious, trying to have fun. <laughs> And yeah. it, it did win a, it did win a gold medal, so that was pretty cool, and we were excited to see it on the screen. And then when we brought it out, people loved it. And yeah, so that, that's one example, but that's one out of we'll, we'll probably go close to doing a hundred different beers this year. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's one. I mean, they come from everywhere. Oh, that's perfect. Um, just backtracking a little bit, we actually wanted to have a little bit of a chat about your collaboration with Call of Duty and sort of how that came around because that's a pretty cool thing, man. Like, you know, you guys are Black Ops. I remember mentioning Black Ops to my parents and they were like, isn't that game you used to play when you were like back in high school? It's like, oh, yeah. No, it's, it's a brewery, mum. Like, I've, I've grown up a little bit. But I haven't because I'm still playing Call of Duty. So, yeah, how'd that sort of collaboration come around? Yeah, honestly, there's been a couple of things, well, more than a couple of things that have happened to us that you just think, wow, this, I don't even know how this happened. But um, that was definitely one of them. So this is before we even had a brewery. We, we had an email come, come in. I remember the call. Um, Ed, back then, Eddie was, I wasn't really involved in the brewery. It was kind of like, like this is a fun thing, let's make this brand. But I had a business to run. Um, and Eddie was basically doing, doing everything. Um, we were just part-time. We didn't have a brewery yet. We were doing contract brewing. Um, I was doing blog posts and things, but that's about it. And so Eddie was manning the emails and, and doing the online social media and everything else. And we had an email come in from um, a company called, I think they were MCC Agency or something like that, MCC, I think. And I didn't actually know this whole story until about a year ago when I was talking to Mark Feathers from Hearts Pub in Sydney um, he actually was in that media space and he actually suggested, he was approached by these guys about doing a beer for the game and he said, oh, you should talk to Black Ops because they've already got this name that kind of makes sense and that would work. And I only found that out a year ago, but this, anyway, this is like five years ago this was, this was happening. Yeah. Um, so we got this email. It, it, said, it said we're bringing out, so it wasn't from Activision, it was from this MCC agency and they said we're bringing out, <coughs> they said uh, Black Ops 2. And, um, yeah, and, and Eddie was like a, a player of the game. So he was like, well, that's not even right because that game's already out and the one that's coming out is three. <laughs> and it's not, it's not from Activision. And so he's like, it's probably bullshit. Um, and then I just, I just like looked into the emails like, well, it's actually come from this MCC place and their site tells me that they are actually agents for Activision. Um, so we called him and it was legit and, and yeah, it went from there. Far out. That's pretty cool, man. Like it's probably one of the biggest Activision's one of the biggest gaming things. So that would have certainly helped the ego a little bit for the brewery as well. So Yeah, and we need that. <laughs> yeah. Like we're we're very, yeah, very humble. So we <laughs> Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was pretty surreal to be honest. Like like we we got the fi- the final call from them when the first conference call we had with them when it just went from emails to conference call, we were in China inspecting our equipment being taken out to lunch by the guys at Tiantai who we'd bought the equipment off. We got this conference call sat around it at this weird like German themed Chinese pub. And we we're talking to Activision from China and they're like, yep, well um, when you get back to Australia, we'll fly you down to Sydney. We've got a whole crew coming down. We're going to film this video. Um, and all of this stuff, and I'm like, and I was going to another, I was going to Thailand after China, and this day that they'd organised was the day I got back. So, uh, so I had to, I had to fly. <clears throat> I think I flew all overnight, and then flew to Sydney without any sleep, didn't even eat, oh. and then we did this whole filming day, and I think we, and then I think we flew out that night. Like it was just so oh, hectic, yeah. and then. 
And then they flew up to the Gold Coast because they were like, we'll get some image of you guys surfing and, um, you know, doing stuff on the Gold Coast. So the whole crew flew up to the Gold Coast and did interviews with us um, at like around location on the Gold Coast. And then we went out to Burley Point. We paddled out, went for a surf and just totally embarrassed ourselves. Like they didn't even use any of this footage because we were, we were just so sucky. Um, yeah, like me and Gov just got like drifted like hundreds of metres down. I got like two waves and just tooled myself. It was just embarrassing. Um, and the guy's like, yeah, no, I think we've got enough. We're, we're, we're good. Um, but, yeah, it was cool. And then they put it out. And at the time they were – they were basically the biggest entertainment franchise in the world. Like they were doing their game launches were like billion dollar launches. Yeah, it was that's, it was insane. that's insane, man. Like that's such yeah. a mad opportunity for you guys. Like yeah, and they sent a card to Guy Sebastian, so that's pretty cool. I like that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so out. you guys brewed a beer. You guys brewed a beer for the launch of the game, right? And I can't remember. I remember listening to your podcast, but it was like a black IPA or something. Yeah, it was a black as uh, a midnight pale ale. So it was it was a bl- we did it in black bottles. They they did the branding, but Gov sort of came up with the idea of doing this midnight pale ale in a black bottle. So like when you drunk it, you wouldn't see the color of the beer, That's and sick. it was designed to be. We, we used like um, malts that were like to darken the color, but not give that sort of roasty stout flavor. So it, t- it was a bloody delicious beer. We've actually brewed it since we we did a um a recon series, our sort of limited release series of that beer again when we did a black beer event um mm. when when we when we we were doing like when the tap rooms were open we were doing a dual event each month for the tap rooms the first one we did was a black beer event so we did 14 different black beers at each tap room just completely took over the taps of with dark beers and one of them was that midnight parallel and so it was a delicious beer it's, i mean it's not the sort of beer that non-beer drinkers would drink but people had a lot of fun with it. It was cool because yeah. we were sort of exposed to this whole new world of like people getting these things and like unboxing them on YouTube and like like getting coverage. I like, like we're on like Channel Nine News. We were on um, these big like gaming sites that I didn't. I'm not a gamer, so I didn't. I didn't know anything about this world at all. It was yeah, but it was it was really cool. And and we we the plan was to kind of use that attention to funnel it into our crowdfunding campaign, which we did like the next month. Um, and we needed that money. Like we raised eighteen thousand dollars. We needed that money to open the brewery, um, and it just all—the timing of it was just really good. And we ended up being the first company to to launch a brewery using crowdfunding just after the Call of Duty thing. And it just kind of one thing led to another. Another. It was it was it was pretty cool. Remember, that is, oh, well, that's pretty awesome, man. I didn't realize you guys were the first. That's a major major thing. Yeah, we, we, we also were um, the first to close an equity crowdfunding round. When they released equity crowdfunding, which is the kind of crowdfunding where you're giving up ownership in your company, not just like a carton of beer and a T-shirt, mm. um, we were the first to close a round. Endeavour uh, did a round as well. They closed a bit after us, but they launched theirs before us. So we, we were sort of around about the same time. Um, but, yeah, it's cool. I like that. I think, I think the crowdfunding thing really suits the brand we've got because it's like – it's a brand that's people just, feel a part of it. Yeah, people feel a part of it. It's just grown. It's evolved out of this community. You know, it sort of evolved out of this online following and community, and then evolved into this local community that we have. And it's just like morphing into this awesome thing that people are like a legitimate part of. To the point where there, you know, there's 550 people who own part of the company, which which I think is the coolest thing. I, I would rather Pretty get cool, man. investment from from that kind of thing than like big. VCs to throw money in, so so that's that's great for us. 
yeah, guess definitely. as well on the back of that, like something that we're pretty keen to talk about was you guys have sort of labelled yourself as the least covert operation in brewing. Like how is um how has your content helped you guys grow your brand? Like you've pretty much laid everything out on the table from where you got your coasters made to like getting your equipment. Yeah, and even our recipes. If you if you go to um blackops.com.au forward slash recipe recipes, it will forward you through to our like brewer's friend page that Gov's up to dates uh, updates and it's got like 15 of our beers on there all the all the recipes even some like really good limited release beers we've done he just mm-hmm. like scales them down to homebrew homebrew size um and yeah i i, I th- well yeah it's hard to say i mean it's it's a point of difference for us for sure i think it's something that people like about what we do it gives us an excuse to talk about ourselves um <clears throat> it's 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 what i do as a as I, I guess an entrepreneur, that's that's what I do. I don't really know how to build businesses any other way. So I was always really excited about using those skills um, in a physical product business like this because previously it was online business and it was kind of like just what you did. But it's not really what you do in this industry. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's been been great for us. Yeah, for sure. And like I, was, I had a look at um, like on your website, I noticed that, your top stream podcasts for 2019 were some of them like one was uh, with Sterling from Bolter and another with, yes. with Jamie from Stone and Wood. So like it's a testament to you guys that people who are interested in your brand, like they're literally listening. I suppose you don't want to call them your competitors as such, but that's essentially what they are. Like they are, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it's just crazy yeah. how stuff like that is so engaging and can help to build your brand. Yeah, I think I think I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot of really good things about this industry, and and that's you know one of them is that everyone is everyone is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like everyone, like that. Like Jamie was the first person to say yes. I was like, I emailed the fucking Godfather Jamie Cook. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, holy shit, Jamie Cook's coming on the podcast. But, yeah, um, how do you think we landed this podcast? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, there you go. Paying it forward. So it's just it's so, man. Yeah. 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 So it, yeah. So it's good. And the sales one was awesome because that that dude's just a legend. Like that that you know what they did there, is, and and what he's done in other other companies, he's just amazing at what he does. So I was really excited to to give because I, I think when you're marketing a brand like this, you're like as a marketing person, you're you don't want to be the the story is never the marketing. It's always the product. It like it doesn't matter what you know whatever people say about Bolter, whatever people say about us. It's always the product. That's that's the story. So like guys like Stirls don't really put them. I mean, like he does the videos and stuff, but like he, he doesn't really put himself out there that much. Like Bolter talk a lot about their product, and you know Scotty does lots of videos about you know how the beer is made, and we do the same thing. Like people want to hear from Govs. The people want to know how the product is made and um, what hops are in it, and you know all that kind of stuff. That's what. That's what people want to know. They don't want to sit there and geek out on marketing. So I was excited for the opportunity to geek out on marketing and, and you know, it helps us to get a good podcast that gets listened to, but hopefully it helps them to also because people realize how much work and effort and thought goes into the marketing of these things. You know, like you don't, you don't become Bolter by accident and you also don't become Bolter just from a good product, you know. It's, yeah, and it's, I, think, I think he's done it's not a on fluke. the podcast where he said, he, he he said on the podcast like we're not a beer's not Mick Fanning drinking the beer out of a shoe like it's actually good beer and we've built the brand around more than just that so 
it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they just nailed everything. Like they just did, and not just not just in brewing. Like you know, like they they're just a great example of a, a startup company that did a whole bunch of things really well. They were probably, you know, they obviously had some good fortune and as well, which you need. But they just did a bloody great job. So I was I was stoked to talk to, and he's a bloody legend selling as well. So like I'm I'm happy if I can talk to good blokes about beer and branding and marketing and stuff. And so yeah, it was it was great. Definitely, I think um, from we early on had a chat to Charlie from Helios, and that's yeah. something he said. You know, he came over from WA, and he said that one of the first things he said to us was the Queensland, mainly the southeast Queensland beer community like the breweries as such is so it's just all good blokes and it's a really strong community and that's something that something like i think we found is that you know everyone we've chatted to has been like a, a genuinely good person um, yeah it's a phenomenal industry it's, it's it really amazing is. Yeah. yeah and it's across the board like uh, brisbane have got an amazing scene because we were like we were um sort of part of that like eddie was working in brisbane um we were sort of brewing up there. So that was kind of, and that's where we launched. Like that was kind of where we were hanging out. There wasn't really any craft beer bars on the Gold Coast when we started drinking beer. So we would go up to Scratch and Archive and, and Hoo Ha yeah. Bar and places like that. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of fell in love with the industry. And it, it is a fantastic industry. I, I hope I hope it is okay with all of this stuff going on because, you know, it, it's proven that it's full of great people doing amazing work and not just in breweries, you know, across the board, like the guys doing the content, the, you know, the the bloggers, the, you know, Crafty Pint, Brews News, just the, just the, the suppliers, like it's a just such a bloody awesome industry. It, it, it's going to be a real shame if it gets decimated like it potentially could be um, mm. because and, and just such good people. Just like Charlie, you mentioned this. It's it's a it's filled with great people. This industry it's 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 really great. It's it's not it's not a it's not a for show. That's for sure. Like for the most part, everyone gets along with each other really really well, and and it's it's pretty awesome to be part of it. It's not not something I've experienced in other industries. That's for sure. No, that's that's an awesome thing to hear. I suppose. Um, I think probably following on from that, um, if you could go way back, let's say, start of Black Ops, if you were looking to grow, would you change anything that you guys have done at the moment? Like, looking back in hindsight, was there anything you'd change or would you do exactly what you've done? I, I, it's always a hard question to answer because, I mean, if, if you'd have told me that after three and a half years we would be in this position, I, would have, I wouldn't have even believed it, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's staggering. Yeah. So I'm just very, very grateful for where we are. I, I, don't, I mean, we've made a shitload of mistakes, that's for sure. Yeah, but, definitely. You know, you can't you kind of don't, you don't really become who you are until you make those mistakes. So you, you can't really look at them as something where you go back and not do it because you kind of go through that pain of the mistake and then it teaches you something to do better next time. And I really do believe that, that all of the, big mistakes we've made have, have resulted in us being w- way better at what we do, way more thoughtful um, and, and you know, less ad hoc about things. And so, yeah, I wouldn't I – I can't think of a thing that I would drastically want to go back and change. Yeah, definitely. And it's awesome to hear that, like, myself and Das, one of our favourite podcasts we listen to, 
totally different industry, but the ice project, um, Isaac John with YKTR and he's been asked that and he's asked people that. And for me, like my measure of a successful business is someone who literally has said exactly what you've done there. So, you know, you only learn from your mistakes. So it's a credit to you guys that you've seen those mistakes and you just keep building and building and have built this amazing brand. Like I'm not saying that lightly. I think you guys are one of the leaders in the industry, man. Like it's, uh, as I said, you guys turned out some amazing beers all the time. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Pretty, no, it's, yeah, it, th- I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, it's it's a very difficult business. I, I, I feel like I always say this, but it's like it, this is not an easy business to run, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. like my last business was so much easier. It's just insane. And even for staff, like our staff are incredible. Like they don't have easy jobs. They have bloody fucking difficult jobs and they don't get paid a, a whole lot of money. You know, like I, I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts as well and I always listen to the startup ones and, you know, you hear the stories about people working in the startups over in Silicon Valley and getting equity in these companies and just making shitloads of money and mm. like it just like this is, that's that's not what this industry is. It's just not, no one's making a lot of money. Um, and yeah, our staff just do an absolutely incredible job, and yeah, it's 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 a it's a difficult thing to do. But we've had a lot we've had a lot of luck. I think we've done some things very well, and I think if you, I think in hindsight, I think we're also pretty early. Like like you never really know if if you're early or not. It didn't feel like we were early. It kind of felt like we were. Yeah. Um, it was taking us a while to open, and and there was already other breweries. You know, Bolter had opened just down the road, and it was like shit. Like maybe, you know, maybe we're too late to this. But in hindsight, I think we're super early, which is really only pure luck. Like it was just when we happened to open. Re- yeah. We had really good timing with um, packaging as well. So so when we could finally afford to buy a packaging line, you know, you could get a canning machine for 100, 120 grand, which we still use to this day, like three or four days a week at HQ. Um, that, you know, so our beer went straight into cans once we could afford that. And that coincided with a trend, which, which I mean, we saw coming. Like we're not completely, you know, it wasn't a complete fluke, but yeah. it was good timing. Like, you know, if it was a few years earlier, we might have been buying a big bottling machine and, and it being redundant after a few years. And it, it, was, it was good in hindsight, very good timing. So, yeah, a lot of things have gone our way. That's helped us a lot. But, I mean, it's, it's still month, on, month to month you know, you don't know if it's going to be a good month. You, like, like, like we still, we still um, have never had a, a financial year where we've been profitable. Yeah. We've lost money every single year. Um, yeah. And, and we were just about to turn that around um, this financial year or this calendar year for sure, possibly this financial year. And then coronavirus. Um, and then coronavirus. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking savage. But it's all right. Well, everyone's doing good. But it's it is. It's 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 a very difficult thing. It's a difficult business to run. But you, but you wouldn't do it if the rewards weren't worth it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I suppose on the back of that, what uh, we're talking to Wade um, at Ballistic about how he, you know, they set up their drive-through things. What sort of things have you guys set up to combat that coronavirus? And have you seen that community support that you were talking about with your, you know, the community around Black Ops there? Yeah, oh mate, like you wouldn't believe it's just amazing. Um Yeah, so we we did so on the seventeenth of March we decided to shut the tap rooms down 
Um, and that was just based on, I was just following this happening overseas. I just knew it was coming here. And the government had just said, like, we need to be social distancing and whatnot. And it was like they hadn't shut anything down, but it was sort of like there's, there's no way this is not the direction it's going. So we just made, I feel, a responsible decision to shut down in that week. Um, so in hindsight, it was probably good for us because we had an extra week on most other breweries to really think about what the fuck we were going to do without a tap room because a tap room is the lifeblood of, of basically any brewery I can think of other than the really big ones. Um, and so the following week they shut down bars and restaurants, which, which we were anticipating. Um, so on that, that week on the 17th of March, we immediately started changing things. We stopped putting beer into kegs. We, um, started um, t- takeaways only at the tap rooms and implemented new processes for sanitizing and, and whatnot. Um, I think within a week I'd, I'd, I spent, I worked that week, I think 14 days in a row, like 12, 14 hours a day. I, I have kids, which I share with my partner and she, she just kept the kids the entire time. I don't think I even saw the kids for two weeks. Wow. Um, it was pretty hectic. But, and so I spent like, I spent one weekend, like that following weekend, figuring out how to build this like local delivery app, which, which is now in the app stores, um, which, which we built a whole, whole business around. We're doing like 150 plus deliveries a week on the wow. Gold Coast and Brisbane. That's amazing. Using man. the supply drop app. Yeah. So we were, awesome. we were doing that and I was just talking to my mate to help me build it. And um, we've, we, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things we've done since then. We've got this Black Ops Reserves, which is like uh fresh work kits for people to, to brew Black Ops beers at home. We've released all of, all of our recipes for that. We've released a competition where you can brew like we're, we're doing our own like awards to so be like you can brew Hornet, for example. And yeah. if it's like true to brand for Hornet, we'll do like an internal sensory session and you'll get like a little gold pin and then the best Hornet will get a gold uh, champion coin. And then we're doing all of our core range beers and then all of the the uh, champions will get to do a brew off with a grand champion black ops uh, home brewer. And then we'll do a day at the brewery where we'll do a brew an education session. We'll put on the beers um, and then the winner will get that coin and then also get a year's discount for um, the tap room. Like all this shit we've just thought oh, up in the last awesome. couple of weeks. Yeah. So we have like, like the guys, like everyone in the company is working on shit that they hadn't worked on before and putting stuff out. Like we've got fully branded like work kits out, already the people, um, the recipes are up online, the pins are getting developed, um, yeah, all of that. It's, it's, been, it's been crazy. Like that's, that's one thing. There's, there's, we're selling kegs on our online store now, so we're dealing with sending kegs out to people where um, the online sales have gone through the roof, so we're trying to figure out how to, how to manage all of that. We're opening the tap room seven days a week. Um, yeah, there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff we're doing. So, so yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of lost... 50% of our business, like we lost the tap room on-prem revenue, which is about 25, and then we lost all of our bars and uh, bottle shops, sorry, bars and restaurants, which mm. is another 25. So we lost about half of our business overnight, and we're just trying to eat back as much of that as we can, keep our beer in people's hands, keep up the community spirit, keep our staff in jobs. So like our sales guys are doing deliveries and tap room stuff now. Um we, we, we did this thing the other day, which is cool. We called Bright Friday where we, we got a beer um, out of the Bright Tank into cans, delivered to people's homes all on the same day. 
And then we did a live call on Zoom at the end of the day where Govs did a tasting session and we did like a Q&A with a lot of the guys. And a lot of the people that came on the call were um, people who come to the tap rooms all the time who are like, oh, we're still drinking blackouts, so we can't hang out. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's so much we're doing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been really good. And, and to, to your question about community support, like it's been insane. People are doing so much sharing, so much engagement, you know, coming in, buying the beers. Like our ambassador group on Facebook, has gone from like 1,500 members to 2,100, I think, in like three weeks. It's just oh, yeah, that's it's awesome. blowing up um, and the engagement's been amazing. Social media's been amazing. So, yeah, all that stuff's really good. It's, it's, it's going to be bloody hard for us to get through it. But, um, yeah, there's a lot to be positive about. Oh, exactly, man. You know, as you said, there's, it's a shit situation. It's a terrible time. But the light at the end of the tunnel is, you know, more people are probably aware that you can get your takeaways now and take stuff away and all these different things. So once it all comes, like let's hope business keeps booming and we onwards and upwards for us from there for sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm worried about us, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in, in a way more worried about other businesses. Like we've got a lot of customers who are on-prem venues and like have fully shut down. I just, I don't know. I just, I worry it's not going to be soon that they're yeah. going to be reopening. So for those businesses, it's going to be really hard. And also for breweries who like, we're really lucky. We sell a lot of beer into bottle shops and yeah. um, we've got a good relationship with, with uh, Dan Murphy, with uh, Woolies and Coles, the yeah. first choice, Dan Murphy's BWS, like I said before, like our beers are in all of those places and all of those businesses are going very well at the moment. There's a lot of people buying beer. So we're very fortunate that we've got that and we've got, half a business there to use to build up the rest of the business into a full business. And we've got that opportunity and, and um, I, I relish that opportunity. I'm very grateful for it. There's a lot of breweries who don't have that, who just have a tap room mainly and um, don't have that package sales, be, you know, to compensate for that loss. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to those breweries. Hopefully, hopefully they'll be all right, but I, I fear that we're going to lose a few good companies and, and people, you know, in this industry unless unless some of the government support kind of steps in and, and does enough for them. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. It's hard um, though, because like with like the, the JobKeeper initiative and stuff is obviously a really good thing for pe- keeping people in jobs, but a lot of what you do is about physical product delivery. There's a lot of cost that goes into like maintaining and running like even a small. Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, you can't. I mean, we can't really reduce our costs. Like, like we've we've reduced the things that we can reduce. But at the end of the day, like we've got, I think six leases. We've got twenty full time staff, and we don't want any of them to have to leave. Yeah. Um. You know, you've got massive excise. Like, like we're paying one hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand dollars a month in excise before we sell any beer. Like that's. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 payment on the beer we're selling. And it's yeah. not, and it's, it's, you know, it's technically not our money where it's sort of collecting it for the government, but it's just like these costs, these costs don't go away. Mm. So, you know, you can scale back to some extent, but we've built a business around this idea that we're going to keep growing and grow very quickly into this new facility. Um, so we can't just halve that and everything's going to be all right. That's, that's just yeah. not how it works. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty scary that the job keeper thing hopefully will work out. I, I suspect we won't qualify for it. We may qualify for it, mm. but we've we've done a lot of work to keep the business not dropping by thirty percent. And and we might we might be good at doing that. In which case we won't get the yeah. Support, but 
I would rather do our best to try and keep the business sustainable on our own accord because that's what you know that's what business owners should do. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Just to plug that as well, like because I've got it, I just installed it. That supply drop app is how you can get the Black Ops beers delivered, right? Yes, and it's it's um just Gold Coast in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, but that, but yeah, that's that's pretty much our whole base. So um, if nice. you're listening, you're this far through to it, guys, get down supply <laughs> drop and get some good beers into you. One of the amazing things that will come out of such a crisis like this is innovation that happens this quickly. Um, you know, to be able to turn around an app like this in three weeks that kind of completely changes your entire business model or 50% of your business model is like, it's, it's fascinating. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it really is. And, and I mean, we're not the only ones doing it. Like it's, I'm seeing it absolutely everywhere. Like, uh, like businesses just completely uprooting what they did and, and, you know, changing everything. Like I got a mate, um, Luke and Dave, who run a gin distillery and like within three or four days, they had like fully branded hand sanitizer on the market. Yeah, and they were like, awesome. I, went, I went around there one night after work at like 12 o'clock and they, he was just around there with Jess, like making this hand sanitizer. He had bottles throughout the whole place, like it was selling out every time they put it up online. Like their whole business has just changed overnight and they've adapted to that. And that they put a product out, which is like, looks and feels like a legitimate commercial product that you would normally put a hell of a lot of time into. So that's, that's happening across the board and it is amazing. I mean, the risk, I guess, is you you react too quickly um, and make rash decisions and that's that's what you're always sort of weighing up. Like that, that was on my mind when we closed the tap rooms because we didn't have to close them and it didn't really seem like anyone else was closing theirs. So it was like, well, is this is this the right decision? And you're kind of always second-guessing yourself. But I think in situations like this, you, you kind of just have to you kind of have to just make the uncomfortable decision if you feel like it's mm-hmm. right. And I, I hope the things that we've done will actually be good after this is over too because, like, we're only really all, – all the things we're doing really are just getting us closer to the customer. And we're, we're doing things that are making our community and our drinkers and people very happy and having a more direct relationship with them, you know, delivering them beer directly or, you know, giving them the recipes for them to make the beer themselves, all that kind of stuff I think ultimately is very good for the business, very good for the brand. And when this is all over, I would hope that at least some of that continues to some extent because I think it's it's all good stuff for us to be doing. Yeah, most definitely, man. The competition in particular, I, I forgot to mention that earlier. As you said, though, seeing that pop up the other week, I messaged Dallas and was like, fuck, wish we could actually homebrew because that's such a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, well, go buy yourself a little homebrew fermenter thing and put it in an yeah. air-conditioned room and you're good to go. That's what we think. Oh, I'm thinking of trying to buy one off my mate. So um, see how we go from there. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, boys, if you've got nothing else to add there, I suppose getting towards the uh, the end of it, we've got here, we're wondering, what have been your five favourite beers of all time? Wow. Just to chuck you on the spot. Like Wait, our beers or... Anything, oh, that's anything. way too difficult. You should have given so, me a warning about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, we can't Photoshop. We can't run computers. So you should have known we can't warn. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's There's true. a messenger pigeon about to fly over and drop the notes over soon, I promise. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll attempt to answer it. Um, I, I will say, though, that I, I think a lot of, a lot of 
your feelings about something is kind of contextual to the time. Mm. And so like, like I, which it kind of sucks a little bit because you try something and it's like, this is the best thing I've ever had in my entire life. And then you try it two years down the track and I'm like, eh, it's all right. But so I'll, I'll base it on the, the beers that at the time had the biggest impact on me. I'll, 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 I'll say that. Yeah. Um, so let me go back. Um, I would say the first one, the first one was, was probably uh, 28 Pale Ale from Burley Brewing. And I'll put, I'll put Fig Jam in there as well because that was the brewery, that was the only brewery on the Gold Coast that was making like legit craft beer. I mean, it was, it was basically the only brewery on the Gold Coast, I think. Yeah. Um, and the, the Fig, like you mentioned having Hornet before as your first IPA, Fig Jam was the first. Fig Jam and Little Creatures IPA were the, sort of the first IPAs I had and that was yeah. like a major game changer for me, having those beers. And those, those Burley beers were, were amazing. Um, I had a, I had a dogfish head, um, India brown ale. So, so Eddie used to go to like places like archive and buy beers and bring them back on the train. And I'd like give him money and we'd try the beers. One of them that really stood out was that dogfish head India brown ale. Cause that was, um, well, a, I'd really never drunk dark beers and B it was like, it was it, it was just chocolate bloody deliciousness. It was just such a nice beer. So yeah. I was like, holy shit, like this is like this is in the context of sort of previously drinking like James Bogues as like my kind of premium beer. You know, and what there's I mean? nothing wrong with that, mate. Yeah. I love a James Bogues. <laughs> so actually, I, I should go. Itself. What are we up to? That's three. That's three. Let, let's uh, let's that's go. Twenty eight pale and fig jam were put together in the same because they were kind of yep. around the same time. But Little Creatures Pale Ale was a massive one and that was many, many years before. So that was way before this craft beer thing. Um, mm. I had that beer and I was like, holy shit, this beer is amazing. And that was probably the thing that eventually when I did try sort of 28 Pale Ale, which from memory to me tasted kind of similar to uh, Little Creatures. Um, and then Fig Jam, that was kind of where the scale started. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's Dogfish. Yeah, that's three. Yeah. What else have we got in there? Um, that's going back a fair way. Probably, probably um, Ballast Point Sculpin was probably another one. That was one of the first. That and, and Brewdog Punk IPA were probably two of the first like imported IPAs I had, which were all really well regarded beers. Um, that was that that I, were kind of made somewhere other than here. Yeah. I would say Sculpin was the big one because the first one time I had that, I was like, this is completely insane how good this tastes. Like, it was ridiculous. Is Sculpin um, a UK beer or? No, it's a, it's a brewery in San Diego. They sold a couple of years oh, ago. Hectic. But they, we went there actually when we were over in America and it, it's gigantic. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not like anything that's here. It's like stone and wood times 20. Far it's out. Insane. Sounds but, awesome. Yeah. And they, they, I think they sold, <clears throat> they sold for like a billion dollars. Oh, yeah, they're very, they're a very, very big brewery, but that beer is just quality. And we, we had it over there. It tastes every bit as good as yeah. I remember it. That, that's an, that was an amazing one. Um, and yeah, well, I haven't included any of ours in there cause I'm sort of going back before our time. Yeah. I think. Um, 
Got to hit yourself a, one. You can chuck a couple in. Yeah. A couple. <clears throat> I think I've only got room for one more. It's, it's hard to pick one. I will, I will pick Pale Ale because um, yeah. I'm drinking it right now. It's the beer I've drunk the most. And um, it was a massive game changer for our business. Like we we had built the business around all the stuff we've talked about, but we didn't have anything in cans and we didn't have a core range and we didn't have – actually, what happened was one year the Hottest 100 was on, the Hottest 100 craft beers, and I think the year before Beach House was like number 118 or something, and I thought, well, this year's our year. We're, we're going to make it this year for sure. Mm. And I listened to every beer from 100 to number one and we weren't in it, and I was really fucking gutted, really gutted because it's a stupid thing to worry about that, but it is also a really good measure of where the kind of the brand is at in terms of what people Hell are yeah. feeling, you know, like it, yeah. it really is. And as a marketing person, I'm kind of like, well, this brewery is well-known enough to make this list, yeah. and if we're not in this list, we're, we're doing something wrong. Um, and so we had, a, we had a conversation at work about just doing – a beer that like our beers were very kind of creative. Like like our core range at the time was like a kind of a bunch of interesting, weird beers. Like our beach house, which we've just re-released at the tap room, is an incredible beer. Won the won the champion trophy at the Abers, which is an impossible trophy to win. Yeah. Um but but it's not the kind of beer you walk into a bar and say, I'll have the French Saison that's got the Gold Coast twist. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. So <laughs> so that hottest one hundred and a couple of other things at the time happened that kind of triggered me to think like we need we need just the beer that we want to drink like the, the beer like 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 when I go into the bottle shop I get the pale ale like yeah. almost every time or I get the IPA and we, and we needed that beer and um we kind of sat down and so guys like yep yeah, sweet we'll, we'll do that um, we talked about what we wanted in the flavor it was going to be our first beer into can so we completely redesigned the packaging um, we've never brewed this beer before never tasted it like we, we literally rocked up the day before packaging and guys was like this is how the beer tastes and we'd done this can that looked sick um and we released it and it just went nuts and our business took off mm. and the beer's the same now it's still awesome. still my favorite this is still the beer i drink the most um it's probably at risk of being taken over by hornet um yeah. but it's it's still there <laughs> as our, our number one seller and and yeah i'll, I'll have that in my list <laughs> Yeah, definitely. No, that's awesome. That's a cool story behind it as well. Like that's, it's funny, awesome. Yeah, it's, oh, it was I've a really big well. beer for us, mate. I've had it as well. It's it's just a, it's just a good pale ale. Like it's just just a good staple. Always keep it yeah. in the fridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we, we we kind of I think what what happened was our business was sort of growing from this like little tiny, you know, pilot brewery into like a a brand. And and I wanted I wanted to grow into this brand like that's that's the whole reason I'm in this like I didn't want to just start a, a, a little tiny brewery, but at the same time it it's, it takes a different product to make that work, and yeah. so we, it sort of took us a while to figure out um, that there's there's a really critical role in all that experimental craft stuff that we do, but it's not it doesn't you know t- to get from that into a product that stands out when you walk into a bottle shop that someone wants to buy over a thousand other beers, it's a massive leap. So, yeah. so we, we kind of try, we eventually figured out this is what our core range should look like. This is what our experimental stuff should look like. And then we have a balance where we have the limited release each month, which we put a lot of effort into the product and the branding and everything else. So that kind of is the gap for the bottle shop customer where like they want something experimental 
they get that beer from us, which which often isn't our craziest beer, but it will be always a great beer. Um, and we, we just sort of had to figure out that whole balance. And that, that did take us quite a while to figure out. I mean, in, in our defence, none of us have ever run a brewery before. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, you seem to be doing all right with it now, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of playing. Uh, well, following up from your favourite beers, just to put you in the deep end again, what's probably your favourite place to have a beer? Like, it can be a moment or, you know, just a scenery, anything like that. Like, what's what's sort of your, your favourite place to have a beer? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um, Surely Valley Hill. <laughs> God, it's been a long time since I had a beer at Belly Hill. Actually, I, I live I live at Mermaid and I don't have to walk too far to be on like a seat down the beach. So I'll often go down there and have a beer. Um, but I think favourite place to have a beer would definitely be one of the Black Ops tap rooms. <laughs> I don't have to pick which one. Or maybe like a staff meeting where everyone's there. That's probably what I would choose because I like having a staff meeting when everyone's there in person we can all have a beer at the place that we all built together with the people that built it. That's that that would be what I, I choose. It's a pretty rewarding feeling. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I fan that so much. Well, Dan, I suppose, mate, we've gone through it's taken us a while to get here. But um We got there in the end. Yeah, we got there in the end. But mate, just before we go, um give yourself a plug. How can how can the community or our community here help you guys? Where are you? How can we find you? Just Yeah, I mean look, Black Ops is not that hard to find, but yeah, just a general offer would be to just support your local independent brewery and and, and um it, you know, it makes a really big difference. Most of the people in this industry are self-funded or, you know, put a lot on the line to create these companies. That It's a very, very hard thing to do to start a brewery. There's so much passion and work that goes into it. And when people listen to this content and they choose an independent, small, local company to drink and to, to go to and um, to support, that, that that's, makes all the difference. So, so I would... Just thank you guys for kind of spreading the message and, um, yeah, listeners, keep drinking local, independent, high-quality beer. Definitely. Well, mate, it's a credit to you for not shouting yourself out in the other breweries, to be honest, man. Like, that's a, it's a massive thing to help out the industry there. So uh, from, from us, guys, like, let's uh, heed Dan's message, you know, go out, support your locals. If you're around the Gold Coast, get down there and support Black Ops. Download that app, Supply Drop, as well, if you want to get some awesome beer delivered to your to your place. But just want to say a massive thanks, Dan, uh, for coming on and actually having a chat with us, man. Like, it actually means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. So, yeah, thank you very much. No worries. And I'll, I'll send you an invoice for the IT support. And <laughs> i got a question. Are you, are you going to do to my face what you did to the poor guys at Ballistic on your Photoshop? Is that the plan? He'll do worse, mate. He'll do worse. <laughs> he'll, he'll dead set do worse, man. Like, I think you need to get the missus involved and just figure something out. <laughs> well, my, internet, my internet's actually just kicked back up, so we're good to go. Okay. All right. We'll just, just get on Canva and see what kind of damage you can do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, oh, yeah, once again, thanks to Dan. Thanks to Jay Adasa being on. This has been Crushed in Tins of Bloody Brilliant Beers. And as always, guys, the message that we need to get out there. Give them fucking heaps. Thank you.
Cheers, guys. Thanks, Dan. Clutzy, have you heard about the brand new way to make money? No. Do you want to hear about it? Yes, please tell me more. It's a foolproof method. Foolproof? Yeah, foolproof, yeah. Foolproof is the word I'm looking for, method. Uh, It's called going to dominoes.com.au and entering the the code BBB2DL and getting two pizzas and two sides from $25 delivered. Oh, so you're basically getting it for free. You're basically getting it for free. You're basically making money at that price. They're giving it away. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why I haven't done it before. It's one of the fucking simplest life hacks I've ever I've ever come across in my life. Uh, do you want to tell the lovely people about their brand new pizza, the Philly cheesesteak? Oh my God, yes I do. The Philly cheesesteak. Now, for those who don't know what a Philly cheesesteak is, it's this glorious thing on a bun usually with uh, a bunch of nicely finely chopped up meat and just uh, capsicum peppers and cheese and Domino's have just gone where we've heard Klutzy talk about Philly cheesesteaks way too many times so we've chucked it on a pizza so the big fella can just keep eating and eating and eating I've seen Klutzy get very very excited over food plenty of times but I've never (laughs) seen him get as excited and as animated as the first time he tried the Philly cheesesteak pizza so if you're out and about this weekend and you need your pizza fix make sure you go to Domino's uh, try the Philly cheesesteak pizza there's a host of codes which are pinned on our Instagram and in our Facebook group to give you a cheeky little discount too uh, plenty of different bundles, so check them out. And thank you to Domino's for supporting the show this week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 